LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. Have your say on London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, team. Had a good weekend? Oh, it's too hot yesterday. I cannot function in the heat. I had to have Will down on his hands and knees this morning trying to find a plug point to plug in a little fan. Luckily, I saw you when you arrived with your little fan. No, because I suddenly realised, because the, all the lights work upstairs, it's great, the air conditioning's not working. No, they've not, they're changing it, though, we, though we should right, say yeah. that's why, they're refurbishing it all and it's looking Lovely, great. though, but they, they have these automatic light systems now to conserve light. So mm. what you do is you walk in to a darkened room, the sensor senses you're there yes. and puts on the lights. Yes. Unfortunately, over our desks, where you saw me sitting, you sit there... And the sensor is over the other desk. So it senses there's nobody sitting there, so it starts dimming the light. So the next <laughs> thing, you sit it, so you have to stand up to let the sensor know, hello, I'm here, and then I, then I go back. We've got some lights out in here, I've noticed. You know, you've got one... Do you want to turn two, them out? No, they're actually out. They're broken. No, look. No, we want... No. Hopeless, it really is, honestly. Is it because you're green? You. I thought no, but this you was broken. Look, the light bulb. Well, I was broken. always taught that you didn't, if you, if you to turn lights off constantly when I was growing up, all the time. All really? the time. Just yeah. a tight family. Yeah, all, all the time. <laughs> that was like, that's the one thing that my mum and dad were massively stringent on was electricity. They hated. Yes, my mum always used to say, What's the light on in a room where, where, where no, nobody is? Oh, my mum would always say, Oh, it's like black pool illuminations in here. She'd say oh, that really? every single Did your mum open the bedroom window at night? Oh, yeah, she always sleeps yes. with the, uh, the So we never had heating on. During during the night time, it seemed it came on at six in the morning or something, yeah. something ludicrous. We never had, yeah, never have heating. In on fact, we night. didn't we ne- didn't have heating for the first few years. You don't have central heating in your when you were growing up, did they? Absolutely not. We didn't. I remember <laughs> when we had it put in. It was like sitting in the just desert. They only just found coal. We, we'd have, we had. <laughs> I remember talking to our next door neighbour, Thomas Edison, and I remember saying to him <laughs> at the time, "It'll be nice if you can invent something we can see by." Sick to death of this tallow candle. <laughs> <laughs> in the cave that we're all living in. Right, exactly. But then you yeah. had to go out and hunt some food. we dragged Mother out by her hair again to go and fight a woolly mammoth or something down the... Who'd broken into the allotment. Oh, you're not that old, are you? <laughs> we didn't have central heating, though. Nobody had it. Wow. Nobody had it. I mean, it was considered a luxury. When they actually put it in, it the first time we'd actually seen copper. <laughs> apart from the stuff we'd stripped off the church roof, you know, it was uh, which came in a different form. But, yeah, actually copper <laughs> pipes that ran all the way around wow. and radiators and a boiler went in. Yeah. And then and we all sat there and went, oh, it's ever so hot. Well, I mean, we had colour television in my time. We started black and white. Yeah. And then uh, you had shops like Rediffusion and Radio Rentals that open up. Renting. Rumbelows. Rumbelows. Renting televisions. You go there and go, we'll have that one for £16 a month or whatever yeah. it happened to be. And the man turned up with this Finlandia television. And my mother, strangely enough, she was a bit of a creature of habit. So for the rest of her life, she would only watch a Finlandia television because she'd grown up with it. And the man put it in and it came with a teak cabinet. Yeah, because they, they used to try and make it look like pieces of furniture, oh, didn't lovely. they? lovely. Love yeah. it. Some of them had sliding doors and everything. Yeah. And uh, we put it in the room and, and he turned it on and I was, I was a bit disappointed because we all sat there expectant. In fact, most of our family were at the time. It was a bit of a shame, really. They were easy with Thank the God name. you got the television. Thank God we got the television, absolutely. <laughs> and the blackouts didn't help. But anyway, so we sit there and it, was, it came on black and white. Yeah. Went, but you know what? When you, because my great grandmother used to turn her television on and then you'd have to wait Warmed five minutes for, for, to warm up. Because it was Valve. Yeah. Valve. So you'd have to warm and you'd wait. Yes. You'd, watch you'd it sit there up. and then it would go, mm, and then all of a sudden the picture would come to me. And then he, he twiddled mm. with a little knob and, uh, and all of a sudden colour appeared. It was, it, and we sat what? there in, like, raptures. It's gone colour. And then my mother came over and went, well, we'll turn that off, we'll come back later and see if it's there. And she would go through the papers to see if there was anything suitable to watch. Me, what? I could have watched I could have watched anything. Would well, you remember the uproar, don't you, as well, as soon as Coronation Street went colour, because mm. Elsie Tanner had red hair. And no-one knew that Elsie Tanner had red hair, so there was a massive uproar at the time. 
How funny. Yeah. But we loved it. And then you'd turn the television off at night and the little dot would fade and we'd sit there waiting for the dot to go in the middle. It's like you at 7am. Like, we switch you on about quarter to yeah. five yeah. to get you get you warmed up. Yes. <laughs> then well, somebody said to me the other day, light said, every time we turn on the radio at five in the morning, how are you so cheerful? I said, because I've been up since two. Yeah. <laughs> so, in fact, by the time we get to five, I've been up three hours. Yeah. I mean, I've practically been out for a jog. Well, not, not really. No, not, not really. No, no. no not not really. really. No, I don't think that's like Just the size of Will sort of scrabbling around. Under, I mean, I'm, so I'm sitting there with a the fan. Yeah. Trying to find a plug point. I found the one on the wall at the back, which was great. So he's scrabbling around. You'd think you could find a plug point, wouldn't you? No. Well, we found one. In fact, we've disconnected some speakers or something. But I mean, oh, I don't know, just the out the, the, the redundant technical. desk. It was a technical <laughs> thing. We've taken the station off the air, but uh, as long as we were pl- cool. <laughs> oh, it was, I get so hot! I get oh, so no. hot. Do you want me to fan you? Do you want me to come closer? No, no, no. I can Fine. get the no, newspaper. No, 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 no. I'm trying to work out what this um, David Cameron's close <laughs> Tory Christmas show was doing at Glastonbury. Yeah, fi- he was in the Winnie Bago section, the VIP section. He's 56. What was he yeah. doing at Glastonbury? Well, I mean, w- would you have gone to Glastonbury 20 me? years ago? Yeah. Wouldn't go now. If they offered me a Winnebago and build my own fortress, I wouldn't go. I... A lot of people tra- and they've seen the toilets. Yeah, oh, oh, exactly. Oh, you'd have to have your own personal Winnebago with your own personal toilet. I'd have toilet. to go elsewhere, another county. Yeah. To go. I'm, a bit, I'm a bit toilet-phobic. No, I, I am as well. I'm very fun. I can't I'm... go in other people's houses. Well, did you hear the caller on my show about how... you got a show? Yeah. What, here? Yeah. Unbelievable. When's that started? <laughs> Is that recent? <laughs> I thought you were the cleaner. I had no idea. The Christo family. Yes. It's called... <laughs> it's Christo. It's Through the Night. Oh, it, was, it was It was. the show you made here? your own 30 here? years ago. And, um, I thought it was Nick Majerison. No, he's here at weekends. Good. Actually, honestly, everything's a surprise. But he was telling um, me about how... You know, I was saying about how do you make boring jobs more interesting. And there was a guy who called and said, oh, well, I work on a checkout. And... You know, if someone's buying toilet roll, I say, oh, oh, you've got a little bit of the touch of the diarrhoea. And I said that I would really no. hate that. I said I would absolutely hate that. Because I don't like, I don't like acknowledgement that I use a toilet. I had somebody say, that's a pretty pattern, isn't it? And we then had well, a discussion on, on, the, on the patterns on loo roll. Oh, yeah. my Well, word. I have had fleur-de-lis in gold and silver. <laughs> Seems a pointless exercise, but I still do it. And then they brought out flowers, which I thought was the English country garden look. Uh, so at the just... moment, we're a bit geometric. Oh, really? I like it, though. I mean, I'm sorry, I cannot go in to somebody... If, if I go into somebody's house and they've got a toilet roll hidden under, a like, a little lady who oh. looks like she's come from another country, you know, with the, the knitted yeah. toilet roll, I can't bear those. No. And, I, and I don't do anything that's got, now, please wash your hands on it. It looks like the greaseproof paper. Oh, no. I'm sorry, I like a luxury toilet tissue, I'm afraid. Oh, well, I have to go... I'm a bit funny about Andrex that. aloe vera all the way. Oh, really? Andrex aloe vera all the way. Oh, mm. Why? Why are you turning your nose up? Is it like wet wipes? No, 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 no. It's just an aloe vera, but it's it's it's, it's just really soft and lovely. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like quilted. Yeah, it's like qu- it's, it's quite no, quilted. See, I don't see the point of quilted. I'm not really into quilted. But at it's all. not as thick as quilted because I think the quilted's a bit thick. Oh, far too. My mother, when we went on after we, we, we <laughs> this is the best after we had the delights of the colour television and we'd had pine panelling put up in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, pine panelling! Pine panelling! Oh, that was lovely. Get you. And uh, and then my mother said we've got to cut down on the amount of toilet paper we're using. So can we? So we economised and it was sort of like four pieces only. Oh dear. And and it started becoming you know a little bit difficult. <laughs> I lived with a friend once who uh, he, he, he used to tell me about when he was growing up that uh, whenever he would use the toilet, um, he, had, he had a couple of brothers and sisters, he'd go in and there would be a, a, a wad of toilet roll laid on top of the toilet roll oh. as well. 
And they, he was like, well, that's very odd. And they, 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 were sure they would use it. And what it was, was because they'd been told to save toilet roll, his brother would give the final wipe. And because there was nothing on the final wipe, he would lay it on the top for oh, someone else to use. dear. How dear. awful is uh, that? Do, do, do you have a colouring in your toilet? What do you mean a colouring? Like, do you have blue... Oh, no, I have white toilet paper, white no, toilet so tissue, white mean, towels. like a, a block that you put in the system Oh, flushes blue. No, 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 I don't oh, have that, no. I quite like that. I've got oh, a blue, blue colouring. Yeah, My so mother like always said that colouring. that was very tacky. Really? Yeah, she did. Oh, right. <laughs> She'd know, though. <laughs> she, she would know, actually, she would. No, I mean, I'm, I, I like blue, blue colouring in there. No, I don't, I don't. Like, and I always have an air freshener? I have I have Nutridol on the windowsill. Oh, do and you? I have flowers as well in there. On the Always ha- I do a window. I do red, um, red, dre- uh, red. What the what the red what the red flowers? The roses? No, I think the geraniums. geraniums. You've got them where? Uh, on the windowsill as well. What real ones? Yeah. For what purpose? I mean, just to add a little bit of colour to the bathroom. Oh, sounds horrible. And then I've got a brown so windows, and I've got a beige beige tiling with travertine floor, and then glass red in the shower area. Oh. There's a shower wet room like area. a nightmare. It sounds like an explosion. And then wood panelling. Oh, dear. Are you sure? All in the one room? With heated mirrors. Oh, dear. Are the tiles all the way up the walls? Yeah, tiles from floor to ceiling. Oh, right. And heated... Heated mirrors. Heated mirrors? Yeah. What purpose would heated mirrors serve? Because then when I have a shower, I, they, then um, the, the mirrors don't steam up. Steam up? I haven't had anything steam up for years. You steam up, do you? Well, if you turn hot water on, the mirrors get steamed no. up. No, no. I have a huge mirror in my bathroom. I've never steamed up once. Well, obviously never you're not up. washing in hot enough water. I've, well, I think you'll find I am. I think Perhaps. you're fine. I'll bring in the photos and show you. I've absolutely... I've never had steam up for it for years. Well, that's when if you're shaving... Cold, is it an outside wall? No, there's only one outside wall. Yeah, the rest well, it's of it's probably very internal. cold in your bathroom. Is it's got any damp or something like no, that? No, I think you'll find that I've got fully uh, automated and remote-controlled underfloor heating. Yes, well, that, that generally provides condensation, doesn't it, I suppose, really? As well as a, a very lovely heated towel rail. How much time do you spend in the bathroom? Uh, quite a lot, I think you'll find. Really? Well, it's quite kind of wasted. What are you doing in there? And, and that's why you, I'm looking so uh, well-groomed. I'm, I'm, a friend of mine used to be going out with somebody, and they would spend two hours in the bathroom getting ready. You had to that's make sure suspicious. in the morning that you were in and out as quick as possible. Because he would just, he'd live in the bathroom. And you think, I feel like putting cameras in there. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, maybe How long best, does it take? I mean, I can be ask. in and out of the bathroom, literally, you know, probably in about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I don't And spend that's that a really good there. shower. I mean, that's a good shower. Yeah. That's a good shower. Yeah, I've got a good, I've got a walk in kind of Do wet room area. Yeah, of course I soap. I've got, I've got, I have a soap dispenser on the wall. Oh, that, oh right. She's never really used soap. Very bad for you. Well, no, I use well, it's liquid soap. Liquid soap's better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't use soap. Soap. No, oh, I, don't, I don't use. It dries your skin out. Dries your skin out. Dries your skin terribly. It really does. Very bad for you. Very Not very good. bad. And you have to have good exfoliation as well. But uh, I've got, got very very good skin actually. That's well, one of the things I was blessed age, with. Aren't you? I mean, yes. it does look as though it's been sandblasted. It has to be said. <laughs> we had our floors done once like that, and it came out the same colour. Off mahogany. I think they called it Victorian ageing. I think they call it Dale. <laughs> is what they call it. <laughs> well, anyway, um, it's lovely to see you. Lovely to see you now wearing your summer outfit. Yeah, I mean, my Which summer is roughly the same now. as the winter outfit, just with a slightly <laughs> different jacket. <laughs> Thank you. You're I'm welcome. Look forward I to seeing you tomorrow. Balance. Sam was looking well, but tired. Uh, Sam is tired. He is I'm very tired. Hard. Well, I know, you're a taskmaster, you really are. How he rows that galley all the way in with you on it, I've got no idea, but he's, he's managing. To Lovely to see you. See you tomorrow.
Yes, absolutely. You must give, go for a lovely summer drink. Give, give me a buzz, buzz later. We'll go out for coffee. Oh, that'll be lovely. That'll be great. I'll phone you. Thank you. Do that. Yes. The police are listening. Okay, I'll give you his number later. Make sure he comes nowhere near me. Sixteen minutes past five. Morning, Everett. Christo's bathroom sounds a bit of a worry, doesn't it? I suddenly worked out why he probably mists up in the bathroom, and I don't. He probably goes in and shuts the door, whereas I don't. I leave the door wide open. <laughs> I tell you, probably tells you nothing. I don't know. Anyway, let's uh, let's get down to business, shall we? In the uh, papers, see who we're going to annihilate this morning. <laughs> Just see if there's anybody remotely interesting in the. Pa- there probably isn't actually, apart from the. Uh, do you know? If, I mean, <laughs> there's so many people in the paper today. There's about three people in the paper today. One is the guy from the one show, Matt Baker. Uh, one is uh, somebody else, and one is somebody else as well. And what do they all have in common? They were all bullied at school. You know, and they have to tell you all about it. On the front page of the Daily Mirror, they've got yet another person. In fact, the only person we haven't had from Loose Women flogging their story is the producer. And it can't be, you know, it can't be that far off, can it? Because today you've got Lisa Maxwell, My Story, My Bulimia and Booze Hell. You know, why can't people just have normal lives? You know, I woke up this morning, I had a smile on my face, I got up, got dressed, went to work. End of story. Why I found sex difficult. I mean, do we really have to know this? And the day I met Dad, I'd never known. God, blimey. I do like Lisa Maxwell, but, I mean, is anybody... I mean, I appreciate the fact that if you don't get any acting work, and I'm assuming she's not getting any acting work, you have to do a book and you have to sort of try and make some sort of income. But is is it really the kind of thing you want to read? I'd much rather read about celeb friends and stuff like that. I don't want to know about bulimia and booze hell. I'm not, I'm really, you know, call me a bit selfish, but I'm, you know, if somebody says to me, you're not interested, no, I'm not, I'm really sorry. I really couldn't give a toss about your blooming booze hell. It's your problem, nothing to do with me. Everybody else manages to get through their life fairly, sort of, you know, quietly. It just seems to be people in show business. They've all got some something going on. They've all got these issues and everything else. I, said, I mean, I talk of issues, former EastEnders star Paul Nichols had started filming Waterloo Road, three days in, they fired him. They've got rid of him because apparently he was late turning up, he'd been reprimanded twice. Because the one thing you can't do is, you know, if it's like here, I've said before, this show starts at five. It doesn't start at five past five or two minutes past five. It starts at five. I get paid to come in and start. And in the case of Paul Nichols, three days filming, two days he was late, and apparently he was, well, he has admitted battling with uh, with drugs and drink it. They all do it. Explain to me. I spoke to somebody the other day, uh, who I've known for a long, long time, who told me that they'd uh, they'd been doing cocaine for ten years. And I'd never... I, I could have knocked me sideways. I could have knocked me sideways. I had no idea. I said, really? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you're not doing it now. No, no, not doing it now, but did it for ten years. Blimey. And they, they, they stopped because they thought, they, they weren't sure what the long-term effects would be. I must be the only one in show, I've obviously missed out. I didn't do the casting couch. I never went out to these parties where you all threw your keys into the middle of the room and then you sat there waiting to see if you were going home with a fridge freezer, you know, or something exciting. And I never did orgies. Well, I did, but I was just handing food round. It was, because, you, know, you know, if people ignore you, it's a bit tough, so you just kind of put volivons in or try and get... Volivon? Volivon, anyway? You know, small sherry? So I never did that. Everybody used to tell me in the 60s, you know, they used to say, there's these wild sex and booze parties. Not around my place, there weren't. Not around my place. You know, people smoking, you know, marijuana and stuff like that and watching sort of, you know, the sofa melt in the corner of the room. None, you know, never happened to me. I was a bit dull. The nearest thing we actually got was flower power when I think I picked a flower from a garden and stuck it on the handlebars of my bike. 
And that was my sort of, you know, acknowledging the fact that the hippies were around. But everything else escaped me. I didn't go into riots down at Brighton. I didn't dress up as a mod or a rock or anything like that and go down and start... Because, to be honest with you, I wasn't going to scuff my shoes on the beach for anybody, so there's no chance of me going down there. And, uh, and I had fairly long hair at the time, and I was quite proud of it. I still get depressed now, actually. wake up screaming in the middle of the night thinking, where's it all gone? Where's it all... You grow it everywhere else except on your head. I don't know why. So, and, and, so I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. I was never a rebel. You know, I never sort of leant up against a garage door with one foot up with a fag in me. I never did that. You know, because my mum would have told me off and I'd have had to go in. You know, nothing worse than being embarrassed by your mother. That's why we hated Saturday shopping. Because Saturday, my mum would say, right, Steve, should we go shopping? You think, oh, I hope you don't bump into any school friends, because they're going to see you with your mum, and it's, you know, and your mum's dragging you around, and my mum would go, right, so shall we go and get you some pants now? Oh, God. Really embarrassing, you know. Nowadays, it's OK, but in the, in the early days, and you do... So when you see your school friends, you think, I hope they've not seen me. Hi, Steve. Oh, hi. Hi. And, uh, oh, God. And you can't get back to the car quick enough. You just kind of slink. And then my mother would stall at traffic lights. Oh, God. My school friends have seen it was the embarrassing thing. Although we had a fairly big house. And where, where the bus used to drop me, I did, I've said before, I used to run from the bus stop to the, to the bottom of our drive so that people could see me walking up the drive so they didn't think we lived in a small house. <laughs> I became quite funny about it. And so I sort of raced the bus. Except if it was a wet day, because we never had umbrellas. For some reason, you went to school and you got wet. You never, you never took an umbrella. I don't remember ever turning up. Well, where would you put it? You know, I had a little satchel and stuff like that. A bit like Will's little bag. What he's got in his bag this morning, God alone knows. You've got to change your clothes or something. I'm never... What's in it? What? You're right. Oh, you're right. Of course, she's got, got an iPad. Student, you know. And uh, obviously very rich. And uh, so I've, I've got an iPad. I've just got a, a small hessian bag with me. Not very exciting, I know. It's a good bag, actually. I do like... I've tried, loads of people have said to me, can you get more? Because, and there's a great picture of it on the LBC website, on the pictures of, um, of Wilton's Music Hall. And uh, we've, had, we've had tons of people looking at the pictures. They're on the lbc.co.uk. Pictures of me uh, talking to the celebs and, uh, and me at Wilton's Music Hall. You have to look at them. I said yesterday, if you've got any interest in London, any interest in history, any interest in, you know, what lies behind that door kind of scenarios, this is the thing for you. Because behind those doors, strangely enough, Dawn wrote to me and said she's been there for a concert, but it had no seats in it. It was just the empty, uh, the empty hall. But it, it's just the fact that it, it was a music hall in the 1800s and people packed it out. That, that was the amazing thing about it. So behind these fairly innocent doors... In a, in a fairly nondescript passage, which has got some, some modern property in it, you go through these doors and you're, you're back in the 1800s. It's as if somebody's locked... Well, they did lock it up for years and years, and, and nobody went in it. And then somebody must have opened it and gone, it's a bloody musical, it's a musical. You know, it's, it's, it's just really a, very atmospheric, very atmospheric. So go and have a look at the pictures, lbc.co.uk. So uh, we don't know what's happening with Paul... Um, Paul Nichols, um, he was in EastEnders years ago. Actually, he was he was Ian. No, he was Joe Wicks. I can't remember the character. I remember him being in it, and then he did a few other things. But people have said here his his behaviour uh, on set was very odd. People felt uncomfortable around it, so they fired him. Now, to be honest with you, I mean, you know what's going to happen, don't you? You know what I'm going to say. You watch in about a week's time. Why I was dropped from... <laughs> you, just, you just know, because everybody's got to go through this rehab and they've got to tell you all about their lives and everything else. So I'm quite sure that Paul Nichols... I mean, we had somebody from EastEnders tried to kill themselves. And you think, do you know, honestly, I've, I've never... 
I'm trying to think. When I, when I moved up to London, because London can be a very depressing place. If you haven't got any money and, and you don't really know anybody, you come up to London. And when I first came up to London, luckily I knew a few people, not very many. And I was sharing a house with three girls, which was great because it was a great social scene. They'd have friends round and I, I'd hand the volivants round again, you know. <laughs> It's kind of been my role in life for a long time, I'm afraid. And so we had this sort of flat in, Queen, in Queen's Park, which I think we paid 100 quid a month for, between four of us. Happy days. Happy days. And, and we went out, and, and it was just great. I remember streaking down the road, actually, at one time, when streaking became very fashionable. And uh, we all streaked down the road, screaming as you go down, hoping not to bump into the milkman or anybody else. <laughs> I don't know why streaking became fashionable. We all did it. And, um, and, it, and it was funny. But, but you, sort of, you come up to London... And you get people... I remember listening that there are certain bands that you could listen to where the music was almost suicidal, and one of them was Barclay James Harvest. And Barclay James Harvest had this, uh, this uh, record out on one of the albums, I think it was uh, called Mockingbird. And it was a great track, but it was the kind of track you would listen to, like listening to Leonard Cohen, you know, and trying not to feel suicidal. <laughs> yeah. Suzanne takes you down to a place by... And you'd sit there, and you, you didn't have any money... I mean, I don't ever remember having a wallet in London. We never had enough money to put in a wallet. We seemed to survive on nothing. Air, I think. And we never seemed to eat anything. I had a 28-inch waist, which actually, you know, nowadays, of course, seems fantastic. 20, and I remember I could wear the girls' jeans. I could wear the girls' They were a little bit tight, but, you know, you could actually squeeze into them. And, and you'd listen to this really dull music. And, like, students listen to it now, you know, because most students sit there off their trolleys, don't they? Staring out, you know, through... And the rain would come down, and your little nose pressed up against the glass, you know. And then you realise you were actually on the outside peering in, and it was, it was all a bit bizarre. But, uh, but if, if you didn't have any money, London could be really depressing. Really, really depressing. Beggars now on the street make far more money than we actually earned in those days. Small wonder that, you know, no, nobody wants to get a job nowadays. Might just sit on the pavement and just, just collect it in. Uh, it's all going on, so here, here she is, Lisa Maxwell, her heartache, day one. Oh, God, there's going to be a week of it, isn't there? And so here we go, Hollywood meltdown... Uh, meeting the dad she never knew has, has helped loose women star Lisa Maxwell finally overcome 45 years of shame at being an illegitimate child. I mean, you just kind of lose the will to live, don't you, really? You think, why do people need to know about this? Why do, you know, why, why is it? You know, I don't go down the road to Mrs Higginbottom and say, you know, have you, would you want to write your life story for me? And she get, well, not really. But yet you meet people and they've got far more interesting stories than celebrities. You know, I don't want to know about booze, hell, and bulimia. I couldn't give a stuff. I'm really sorry. Perhaps it's perhaps it's an uncaring side of me. And believe you me, I'm a very caring person. I'm just not particularly interested in other people's boring, blooming lives. Uh, making a name for yourself, they've got all sorts of unique names for boys. Rolon, Darbin, Corliss, Roxley, Thyre. Have you ever heard of boys called this? Me neither. I don't know where they come from. But they have crowned somebody King of the Gypsies. King of the Roma Gypsies. It's nice, isn't it? Just when you thought, you know, the day couldn't get any better, we've got King of the Roma Gypsies. I'll tell you who he is in a moment. LBC 97.3 LBC 97.3 Text 84850 Tweet at LBC 973 Have your say on London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Can't we go to the Royal Albert Hall, it's 19 degrees. It's ridiculous, isn't it? They do tell you that every morning. They, they pick another area of London and go, by Tower Bridge, it's 22 degrees. And you think, well, I shan't go there then, because I don't like being in the heat. I can't function in heat. 
Ever since my uh, my thyroid stopped working years and years ago, I cannot control my body temperature. So I can sit there and I can just melt in heat. I mean, I can the sweat can pour off me. It's not pleasant at all. And uh, for today, just in case you're getting up and you're going, oh, what sort of day is it going to be, Steve? Because I often talk like that to myself. Well, Steve, I say, you know, as you stand in the bathroom thinking, no condensation. Because the door's open, that's why. Hot and sunny to begin with. Cloud thickening up to produce some heavy and possibly thunderish hours. The maximum 32 degrees, so the quick uh, thing to do it into Fahrenheit. Double it and add 30. So you're looking at 64. You're looking at, oh, Lord, 94 degrees today. 16, yeah, 94. Oh, blimey. Shan't be going out in that, I'm afraid. <laughs> Warmer than yesterday, they say. I think the word is hotter than yesterday. Currently, it's 21 degrees. The pollen forecast, bad news for you sufferers. It's high today and tonight. Rain or heavy thundery downpours affecting many parts of the evening and for much of the night, becoming fresher and drier in western parts as the winds turn northwesterly. Uh, tomorrow, mainly dry, broken clouds, sunny spells, heavy showers spreading in parts, feeling fresher. And for Wednesday, sunny, should be dry. Thursday, sunny intervals, cloud and highs of 21 degrees. And Friday, sunny intervals with some clouds. So it's uh, rain later on today and rain for tomorrow. That's exciting, isn't it? Not really, you don't care, do you? you don't. Put it way, it's so rare when we see a bit of sunshine, I couldn't care less. I mean, I literally, I got stuck in every bit of traffic yesterday. I decided, I mean, I, I, it took me ages to get out of London. I left here at ten, went back to the car, and uh, then we went for something to eat. And uh, then I ploughed through the traffic, and it took for ages. Why is it, every time we get some sunny weather, every, the world and his mother want to come out and sit on the roads? And they sit, and it just drives me crackers. So anyway, I eventually get through Shepherd's Bush, which, which in itself was a bit tedious. And then we started hitting traffic. So I go up to go to the Hogarth roundabout, and the traffic in the side roads was terrible. Terrible. So I then do my little cut-throughs thing, uh, so I'm weaving through the back streets of Chiswick. Not easy in my car, I have to tell you, because you don't get a huge amount of room. But luckily, I've got air conditioning, and luckily I can just about afford to put petrol in the tank, because it drinks it in this weather. And uh, so I've, I eventually get up to Chiswick Roundabout, and I've got the people in front of me going up to Chiswick Roundabout, who are quite clearly lost. So lost means that you sit there, you're not concentrating on the road, because they're looking at a map, and they're trying to find out where they're going. And I'm getting a little bit frustrated. And I generally don't. It's a lie, actually, I do. I get really hot-tempered behind the whip. Beep, beep, beep! Just move that. Listen, if you want to start looking at a map, pull into the side of the road or give it to somebody else in the car. So then they stop, don't they? And they shout out th- through the wind, Do you know where... Uh, 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 and the person on the other side of the road, What? Do you know... What? No, uh, don't know. They might know, but they can't be bothered to tell them. So he then crawls all up to it. Anyway, but this time I've really lost it. So I've <laughs> whizzed around in front of him. And then I hit the mother of all traffic jams going through Brentford because the road to Richmond looked terrible. So I thought, I'll be clever, I'll go through Brentford High Street. A dump in itself, ladies and gentlemen. I have to be honest, if you really want to see what, a, what a, an awful high street looks like, Brentford at the moment, there's roadworks everywhere. So we sit there, the traffic going back to the Chiswick Roundabout, is so bad, they've got a one-way system in the middle of Brentford High Street, and the traffic is so bad that it, it's banked up, so when our lights go green, all the cars are stuck there, so we can't go anywhere. So luckily, the little man had the presence of mind to stop their traffic lights to make sure that we could get through, because nobody was going anywhere. It was kind of... St- and people were getting really... You know, and by this time, I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. I'm sitting there staring out the window, and people are looking in, and I'm waving, you know... I'm like, why don't you just bog off, go somewhere And so eventually I get in, and I, I get to, to the Twickenham roundabout, and the, the, the journey through Twickenham is solid. I thought, where is it? Perhaps they're going to Hampton Cook, perhaps they've got picnics, I don't know. And so eventually when I got in, I thought, oh dear, it's just awful, isn't it? So I then go and pick up some milk, come back, 
And I bought this wet and dry vacuum cleaner. Well, I didn't have the strength to lift it upstairs. It was so hot. And the moment I opened the car door, this wall of heat hits me. And I'm not, I'm not good in the heat anyway. And, uh, and so I thought, oh, I'll leave it. I'll do it today. I'll do it later on today. I'm not in any particular rush for it. Because I had to take my suits upstairs after the, uh, after the Magic Circle gig yesterday, which went down very well. And next week, we'll put the photos up on the, on the website. And it was, re- it was really good. I was looking at, uh, at Paul Zerdin's website the other day, who's the uh, ventricly... The ventriloquist, and very good he is too. Do you know, he's booked up so much. He's got, I mean, it's like July, August, September, October. It's all one-night stands. All over the place. All, I mean, I've never known anybody with such a full diary. And then he's got Panto with Biggins, I think, in, in Cardiff. He was very, they were all so good. John Archer was fabulous, and uh, Duncan Trillo was fabulous, and Ben was great. I mean, everybody was really, re- and Graham Jolly. And the amount of people who kept saying to me, why do we not see Graham Jolly on the television more often? Um, well, I don't know. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And everybody who came down loved the show, and uh, we were all very, very pleased. Very pleased. He says, have you seen the magician in the mail today walking over the Thames? That's Dynamo. That's Dynamo. Um, there are a number of ways of doing that, actually. And uh, you don't seriously expect me to tell you how anything's done. Good heavens above. I'm now an associate of the inner magic circle, if you please. I mean, I've been elevated after, uh, after Saturday night. I got presented with a, an award and everything else. I've got a scroll, which has been nicely framed. I've got a new, a new magic circle membership card. And uh, I get a different colour badge and a... Oh, I tell you. David Copperfield? <laughs> Nothing. Steve Allen? Much better. Uh, Paul says, all this toilet humour, 5.10 in the morning. You took me back over 40 years to our first colour television. The first proper colour programmes on BBC Two, and it was Wimbledon. Do you remember things like Journey to the Weald of Kent and the Homemade Car first shows I saw in colour on our Baird radio rental set? The Clangers, the Beverly Hillbillies. They weren't, it, they weren't colour, were they, the Beverly Hillbillies? I thought they were just black and white. That was the Clampets, wasn't it? Was it the Clampets? And it says here, they're very posh set. They had a tint as well as a colour control. God, dear. On the subject of loos, we had a chef at the hotel where I worked who couldn't go unless he put down three quarters of a roll across the seat. Do you remember you could buy these? People became very funny about sitting on seats because germs could be transmitted by sitting on a, on a toilet seat. Whereas, in fact, I think the moment they're exposed to the air, germs die and things like that. But some people used to crisscross bits of toilet paper all over the, uh, the toilet seat. And then you could buy these little paper ones that you bought a pack of and you put them down. It became a little bit traumatic for me, I'm afraid, being a little bit phobic. He says, there was nothing much on television yesterday. I watched an edition of Blankety Blank with Julie Peasgood. She was only about 20 at the time and still in Brookside. Unlike ourselves, not aged a day. She made a, a very good double act with Lily Savage. And, uh, and then I treated myself to an hour with Anthony Davis on his quiz show as well. All that was missing was you and Five's company. Pictures of Wilsons, superb. You and Kim Cottrell, fab as well. I imagine you pictured with a norther. Imagine you, he says, pictured with a northerner. Whatever next, Paul, you cynic. I know. I don't generally sit that close to northerners. But as, as she didn't sound northern at all. She probably heard the interview yesterday. But the pictures of Wilton's Music Hall are really fab. They're really lovely, actually. Very, very nice. Um, one here from, uh, from my lovely friends uh, Bryn and Annie. I think they must be still over in France. Just returned to France for a brief trip to the UK, where Jimmy Tarbuck and I helped to raise around a quarter of a million quid for a cancer charity. A gentleman named Jimmy Thomas, who made a fortune in the uh, Bacta industry of bingo halls, casinos, one-armed bandits, has founded a charity in his late wife, Alma's name, at the Royal Marsden. Alma, lovely lady, 
uh, managed to stay alive to celebrate their golden wedding a couple of years ago, but sadly died a few weeks later. She was uh, in a very old, not very nice ward in the Royal Marsden. And, uh, and she said to Jimmy, when I'm dead and gone, I want you to promise me you'll completely rebuild this wall, ward in the most modern and up-to-date manner that money can buy. It said it's not, you know, it's not to be a private ward, but suitable for any cancer patient, you know, to uh, suffer their final days in comfort, luxury and the best possible medical and nursing attention. Promise me. And he did. And that's what they did the other day. It's called the Alma Ellis Cancer Trust with Royal Marsden, and it's a fully recognised charity. They've already raised over two million. And, uh, and it's lovely. So work has begun. Work has begun. He says, uh, last night in his uh, fabulous home in Loughborough, he put on, and personally paid for, a marvellous evening for 200 friends. I was there with Jimmy Tarbuck, the Ray McVeigh Glen Miller Orchestra, Zigzag Band and Waiters Extraordinaire, and, uh, and a musician from his other home in Courcheval called Johnson John, a fabulous opera singer called Sayer. And between us, they raised a quarter of a million pounds. Good Lord. Jimmy Thomas recently... Be- oh, that's him, is it? Ah, well, I met his son... I've met Jimmy's son over at the Hippodrome. And he's restoring it. Three casinos, restaurant, theatre. We, we, uh, we put pictures in. We put pictures in. Uh, in, on, in on the website. So uh, we, we know exactly. I've been round. I went round. I thought you'd seen the pictures, actually, Bryn. But, uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a good look round there. And in fact, we're, we're due to go back again. So we know, oh, we know all about it. All about it. And still listens avidly in the morning to the programme. We've now discovered how we can record it and listen during the day. The temperature here is 37 degrees, and she's sitting in the lounge with the fan on. It's sweltering. I can't do heat. I cannot do heat. It's, uh, luckily, um, Sam had it nice and cold in here, and uh, it was lovely. Thank you. And uh, I don't acknowledge people, you know, when they, when they do something nice, like a charitable thing for an elderly person or a loved one, then, uh, you know, it's nice to keep the temperature down. If I'd walked in and it had been hot, it would have driven me absolute crackers, I think. Uh, front page of The Sun this morning... They've got, um, they've got, uh, Pippa Middleton. Do you know I'm a bit bored now with Pippa Middleton? I'm not interested in Pippa Middleton, her bum, whether or not there's a, a bidding war on it, or whether they're going to stick her on Strictly Come Dancing or somebody to park the bike at school. I really don't care about her bum anymore. I think it's impertinent, I think it's rude, and it's just desperate. They're saying here that, uh, they want to appear on Strictly Come Dancing. For, for what? Because she's got a nice bottom. That's the reason. How sad, Pippa. In other words... They think you're an arse, OK? And that's why they're putting you on. That's the only reason. I think... Perhaps we should do... Perhaps we should really... How, how would it be, actually, if every programme on the radio and television was purely based on people's looks? Sam would never work again. Sam, we'd have tears. We'd have tears. He'd never work. Although on his website, he has got a very attractive airbrushed picture of himself. We all had a good look the other day. Didn't we, Sam? He got really embarrassed yesterday in the office. Which reminded me, actually, you know when people... When, when you say something to somebody and they go red, you know, when you get embarrassed about something, and he said, look, you made me go red now. And I used to do it years ago. I was, a te- I was a terrible blusher. And I cannot remember when I stopped doing it, but it became like a problem. It became like a quite serious problem. You know, when all of a sudden your cheeks go bright red. And the worst thing that can happen is when somebody says to you, oh, you've gone bright red. You know, oh, don't say that. And you put your hands on your cheeks to try and make them go a bit cooler. Terrible. Right, like that yesterday. Like that, yes, we're having a look at Sam's website and his, his modelling pictures and uh, everything. It was really good, actually. Very good indeed. Perhaps Will's got a website as well. Have you got a website, Will? You haven't. You've got a Facebook page. Oh, a Facebook and a Twitter. Good Lord, you are all over the place. I know, I know. How many people following you on Twitter? You've got a few... A hundred! Good Lord! Do you actually know a hundred people? Or are they just... Th- 
Facebook 400. Is that 400 friends or 400 lunatics who've decided to lat Lunatics, I know. It's terrible, really, isn't it? Haggersley has. They've seen you and gone, let's hang on to that person there. I'm sure they do. I'm sure it inter- I'm not on Facebook. I don't do Facebook. I, I wouldn't... People keep saying, oh, you'd love it, you'd love it. And I go, oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. The thing I did love was buying new socks the other day. I, went out, I love buying my new socks. I can get quite excited about socks. And, and I throw out some other pairs, which have been sitting there for ages. And I've, I'd only kept them because people have bought me them as presents. And, uh, and I only wear black socks. I'll, occasionally, I, I go for something a little bit freaky, you know, a little bit off the wall. But at the moment, it's just plain black socks, which is quite nice. Quite nice. If somebody told me 25 years ago you could actually make a programme about talking about your socks and toilet habits, I would have said, don't be so ridiculous. But, uh, but you can in this day and age. So uh, no more talk, I'm afraid, about bottoms from Pippa. Uh, the papers were all talking about the top Tory who died in the VIP area, yards from the, uh, the stars. And uh, I've noticed that the Daily Star... You know the woman who had the affair with Ryan Giggs? Giggs's brother's wife. She's done a photo shoot for the Daily Star today. I can't remember her name. What, what, what gig's name has she got? Because she's in the paper today because she's obviously been on holiday and decided to do, before she went, a photo shoot to, uh, to either embarrass herself or Ryan Giggs. So she was Ryan Giggs's brother's wife and she was the one who sold the story because she'd had an affair with him for eight years apparently and she's now done this double page spread in the paper today. So she's obviously going to be the next celebrity that you're going to be reading about. Here she is. Natasha Giggs. And obviously, poor old Natasha. She's got a tramp stamp tattoo, so she's real class. And uh, she's modelling underwear here. And she's very, very airbrushed. A little bit like Sam in some of his pictures. And um, and she's obviously going to be, they say, revealing a sexy new image. I don't think really, actually, Natasha. I don't want to be, uh, be rude to you, darling. But uh, an affair with... Uh, your husband's brother for eight years really doesn't set you in a very good uh, light as far as I'm concerned. Mind you, it doesn't set him in a good light either. But uh, the way you're flaunting yourself now, I think there are names for people like you. It's uh, 14 to 6. Morning, everybody. Noreen says, you mentioned the 60s show before you finished on Sunday, and I was, I was inquiring uh, about some of the groups on there. They, they've, they've got the tremolos, or the trems, and I said, is Chip Hawkes with them? And she says, no. He's touring on his own. Uh, I had a link yesterday of him in Rotterdam. He's doing the Solid Gold tour soon. Herman's Hermits on their own, minus Peter Noon, because Peter lives in the States. And uh, the Union Gap, no, Gary Puckett, not with them. See, he also tours in the States. But I thought that's what made them unique. Gary Puckett and the Union... A bit before your time, well, I know. I won't have heard of any of these people. He hasn't heard of anyone. It's really embarrassing. Only 12. And, um, and so Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, but such a distinctive voice... But uh, I don't know how they actually recreate that. Should be quite interesting to see. Love it. Talk to Darren a little bit later on. Uh, one here from Anne. It says, I was going to go to Lourdes, but I'm going to carry on listening to you, St. Steve. Because I said at the Magic Circle, I said, a lot of people are only here, I said, because it's cheaper than going to Lourdes. You might as well come and see Steve Allen. Uh, Steve uh, says, Abdullah, I was browsing on Amazon. I'm surprised to see a 3D television for around 700 quid, which seems cheap. Would you consider buying a 3D TV or stick to the normal? No, I'd stick to the normal, I'm afraid. I would, I would stick to the normal. Hope the Dodgster can pass through the studio soon. Surprisingly, he is. The Dodgster is coming in on Thursday on the programme. We'll, we'll sort that out a little bit later on, which is, uh, which is good. Uh, Dawn has enjoyed looking through the photos of Wilton's musical and brought back great memories. It is lovely. And uh, she says, I remember emailing you on the morning of the gig because I was told it was in a secret location and that it was at Wilton's Music Hall. Alan Dodgen was in with you and wanted to know where it was, but you wouldn't tell him because it was supposed to be a secret. 
And I noticed in your photo there were seats out downstairs. When I was there, no seats. It was all standing. Good luck to them in raising the money to restore it, because it's, uh, it's all new and it's all uh, wonderful. Um, Jeremy says, uh, your new farm shop in Twickenham Open Stay. And it's all got, actually, it's all kicking off in Twickenham at the moment. We've, we've all got, we've gone crackers everywhere. Sandy's, the, the fish shop, have now gone completely balmy and put in all these flowers outside and they're going to, more hanging baskets and a big sign up and everything else. And that's nice. We've got a WH Smith, which we never had before, although they couldn't be bothered to redo the front of the buildings. That looks a bit tatty. Um, Paul Cooper's still there, as everybody knows. We've still got uh, Mr Shah and all his lovely team in Goods the Chemist. Now we've got a farm shop opening. Um, and in fact, it's owned by the ex-Formula One driver, Jody Schechter. So, I mean, I don't know how that works out. So that's quite interesting. We've got that opening as well. And uh, we're going to get another chemist, another chemist, where uh, where some ghastly pizza place used to be. We had a ghastly pizza place, owned by about seven or eight people. Nobody ever made any money on it because it was just, just rubbish. And... Um, and at the moment, it's, it's all it's looking quite nice, actually. We still have the river, the River Thames, still running through us, which is very pretty. And, uh, and we've got Richmond down the road, which is not quite as pretty. Although I do have a card to park for 30 minutes for free. So we've got the new farm shop, and I think they're doing ice cream. It's not going to affect anybody else's business. I don't think so. Like Miss, Mr and Mrs Modi have got their, their newspapers. I don't think WH... Because I've been in WH Smith. They don't really have a great deal of stuff. Just looks. I don't know why. You know, everything has been available in in all our other shops. We've got open air dining in Church Street, but it's all the flowers outside the fish shop, which make it look quite nice. Brightens up the high street. That's what we say. Uh, Avril. Uh, in East Coast, as I wanted to say, my friend and I had a lovely afternoon at the Magic Circle. We were in the front row and had an amazing time. It was good, wasn't it? It was very, very good indeed. I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it. We had such a such a good time. Uh, murderer Levi Belfield was living in terror of his fellow gypsies because he's a traveller. He comes from a travelling family. And apparently he's been exposed as a police grass. Oh, they're so looking forward to seeing him in prison. They really are. Uh, he's in there, actually, for two life sentences. Now a third life sentence. They, they showed a little bit on the, uh, on the, uh, the television of him being interviewed. We just sat there and went, no comment, no comment. I thought, well, you're going to be getting your comeuppance in prison very shortly. Bob Geldof has talked about how he almost killed himself over the breakdown of his marriage to Paulie Yates. And he battled universal grief. You know, when you finish with somebody, it is like the end of the world, isn't it? It is like absolutely, you know, I don't know how old you have to be, but your first crush, your first, your first sort of, you know, where you, you, you want to be with them, but you don't, you don't know what to do. You, your emotions are all over the place. I find it very traumatic, anything like that. And Bob Geldof said he felt suicidal. He said the pain was so intense that he did consider taking his own life, decided against it, only for the sake of the couple's young daughters. He said in a radio interview, I made a list of reasons to live. There was only one item on it, the children. Uh, it, strangely enough, Sir Bob was talking uh, about how he argued with Mother Teresa. He said, I met Mother Teresa, a wily old bird, very media hip. We had huge arguments. <laughs> I love the idea that Mother Teresa is a wily old bird. I think that's quite good. I know that they've actually finished down at Glastonbury. In fact, they finished some time ago. It's just that the BBC managed to keep it going and waste money because it's a good old freebie. And they drag out the most inane, blooming presenters for it. You know, apart from having to put up with Fern, uh, you had to put up with Lauren Laverne. Oh, God, that woman drives me insane. Absolutely insane. She's so, so naff. So, and they put her with some bloke who quite clearly was sort of, you know, icky-yah. And they sort of put him in clothes to make him appear hip and trendy. 
I mean, I'm just bored with seeing these people who talk down to the audience. It just drives me mad. I can't bear anything. I mean, I wouldn't, as I say, I wouldn't go anyway to, uh, to something like that. Tracy Andrews could be free, they say, uh, from jail in weeks. This is the woman who stabbed her boyfriend to death and then claimed he was the victim of a road rage attack. She'd been in prison since uh, 97. Supposed to be in for, for life, but of course, as you know, in this country, life means... <laughs> doesn't mean anything at all now, does it, really? Uh, it's embarrassing, as uh, the family of the, uh, the man who lost his life say. So very shortly she's coming out and she'll just carry on with her life. She's still young enough to enjoy herself while we visit a grave. I understand exactly how they feel. Um, I wish I understood the... Uh, the Tamara Ecclestons and her sister Petra. I find them a bit vacuous, I'm afraid. I'm sure they're lovely, but uh, any resemblance to anybody normal listening at the moment, I'm afraid, has gone out the window. And uh, could you appear on the catwalk? I'm watching this, this programme at the moment, and it's about a model agency. And it's quite fascinating, because I'm sort of looking... Mind you, oh, I just remember the other one. I think it's called... Is it Four in a Bed? Or so, whatever it is, it's people who bring items in to sell, and then a few antique dealers look at the item, and then go and sit in rooms. And the person goes in there, and they have to pick the person who's going to give them the most money. But the moment they accept, they then have to say, all right, you've accepted this. Let's just suppose, you know, I've taken in my phone. And they go, well, it's a very rare phone, that one there. And you go into the first room, and I go, well, I, I like that. I'm prepared to offer you £200. And I have to think, will one of the other antique dealers offer me more money? And they had some really lovely stuff yesterday. One of it was a, a circus set. But it was, it was written, this woman, I think, sold it, or man, sold it for £2,700. I'd have paid 10 grand for it. I thought it looked, I haven't got 10 grand, but I just, I, I would have paid that. I thought it looked absolutely wonderful. There was a big pile of comics, and, and then there were two twins, and all they had was um, a signed thing, and it might have been from Damien Hurst. But it, it wasn't really a Damien Hurst piece. He just, you know, they, they'd had a picture taken, he'd signed it, you know, thanks guys, blah, blah, blah. And they were looking. Can you believe, for, I think, £10,000 each? And it was only worth, I think, about 600 And, uh, and they went away very disappointed. No, was it 20000 each? Whatever it was, they sat there. They were so out of touch with it. Perhaps they just thought that if, if Damien had signed something, it would immediately be worth a small fortune. And, of course, it wasn't. And, uh, and they said, well, how m-? The, the guy said, I'm prepared to give you 1500 And they went, each? And he went, no. No, between you. And he said, well, how much were you looking for? And they went... We were looking for sort of 10,000. He said, well, each. And they went, yes. And I thought, at that moment, I nearly fell off the settee. I thought it was very funny, actually. Uh, Very funny. Uh, Here we go. Glee star Chris Colfer has promised, oh, dear, Princess Beatrice and Eugenie cameo roles. Oh, dear, they've not learnt anything from their silly mother, have they? Absolutely nothing at all. Apparently, he met the pair... Along at the hard rock... Co- oh, God, honestly. You'd think they'd stay in and do something intelligent as opposed to going down the route of their mother freeloading. But uh, sadly not. The only way is Essex pair, Joey Essex, a very worrying little person, and uh, Harry Durbridge, otherwise known as an equally worrying person, have signed new deals with Kerry Katona's former manager. They join Amy Childs at Cannes Associates and uh, they're trying to get into television presenting. Oh, dear. I love the way they're trying to get in. Well, you couldn't put Harry Durbridge in anything at all. I'm afraid he's far too wet and drippy. And as for Joey Essex, I'm sorry, Joey. It's a career, dear. It's not just something you do when you've got a little bit of a bored day on. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. Have your say on London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning. 
your worst day of the week. Anybody's worst day, isn't it, again? We've had a lovely weekend, and it's going to be nice this morning. Perhaps we could do the sickie. Perhaps we could phone up and go, <coughs> not, not, <coughs> not very well. And then they go, will you stay in bed today? Okay. Well, get in the car. Come on, kids. Off we go. Off to the beach. That's what people do, isn't it? Traditionally, the day that everybody takes off. It's, it's this and Friday. But uh, my advice is go into work. It's far more beneficial. Keeps the country ticking over nicely. And then later on this afternoon, you could be sitting there staring out the window as it buckets down. So take an umbrella. Okay. I only tell you to take an umbrella just in case people get... Well, nobody said it was going to rain. They forecast thundery showers later and I think a bit, uh, a bit tomorrow as well. 84850, steve at uk or lbc.co.uk to have a look at the fantastic pictures that we've got of Wilton's Music Hall. That little hidden treasure, which if you live and work in London, you should be immensely proud of. They're certainly proud down there. They're ticking over nicely, but they've got a huge restoration problem on their hands. They really have. They've been turned down for a lottery grant twice. I don't un- quite understand how, you know, the lottery could actually turn down something as historic as that for a lottery grant, but they only want something like two and a half million. And I say only something like two and a half million because it's not really a lot of money when you consider, you know, sort of gay babies for the whale or something like that gets £300,000. So, you know, to save Wilton's Music Hall, to me, it's... it's, it's 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 a it's a no-brainer. This one, you just of course you give them the money. Why would you even sit down and decide not to? It serves a purpose in the local community. Lots of people use it. It's a fully functioning building. It's just that it's got the history attached to it. And if you have a look at the pictures, you'll feel as passionate as well. They've got a very active website. Go and go and check it out. LBC.co.uk. And there's all sorts of other pictures on there. It's a very, very busy website, the LBC one. It's got so many things. Anything you want to know about your favourite presenters, pictures you want to see, uh, podcasting. There's everything on there. Absolutely everything. The Antiques programme is called Four Rooms. Uh, And Brian says one item was the hangman's noose of the man they tried to hang three times and failed because the trap door didn't open and the seller turned down £5,000. When we went to the Scotland Yard uh, Black Museum, as it was called, um, they've got everything in there. They've got all the hangman's nooses. They've got all the, the death mark. They've got everything in there. And it was all sort of boxed up, and they bring it out. And they, they, it's not a museum in such as you can just apply and go there. It's generally open to detectives working on cases that might be similar, but they keep everything. So they've, got, they've really got some gruesome stuff in there. They really have. I mean, really, really gruesome. But, uh, so a hangman's noose. Five that Who would buy something like that, Brian? Bridget says, good grief, Alan's on with you Thursday. I've missed him on the show, so this news is a great start to the day. The travelling menagerie set was owned by Jerry Cottle. David was offered it a few years ago, but decided not to buy it. He was very impressed with the amazing detail of the plasticine animals. I thought so, and the, and the carriages, the, the actual wagons and the caravan. I thought for 2700 it seemed amazing value, Bridget. I did. I mean, I, I really thought it, it looked good. I looked at it, I thought, oh, why is this not on the open market? Because I'd bid for it. Uh, sadly, Melanie Sykes is returning to daytime television. I only, I, the only reason I sort of say, sadly, Melanie Sykes is returning to daytime television is because I found her a little bit fake, a little bit plastic on television, a little bit Carol Smiley, Smiley, Carol Smiley, hello, hello, you know, a little bit Anthea Turner. The kind of person that you sit on and you go, and you get really angry watching them because it comes over as a bit fake. But uh, she's going to be doing in, so doing so she's going to be do, doing a show with uh, not Des O'Connor, who we love to pieces, but Gino DeCampo. So uh, this this pair will present lunch with Gino and Mel, 
uh, every weekday. It's going to be 40-year-old Mel's first ITV show since today with Des and Mel, which she hosted, and it ended in 2005. She says, Gino and I are going to have an absolute blast. Uh, Remain to be seen, ladies and gentlemen. Because you know the one thing that kills TV programmes stone dead is bad pairings of presenters. People automatically think, and I'm here to tell you, that just putting two presenters on on a a radio station or, you know, on a programme or on a TV does not necessarily mean it's going to work. I did a double-headed programme once. It was... You could have killed... For the simple reason that you both want to be the, the main presenter. And quite clearly on this one, it's Gino. That's why it's called Gino and Mel. She's had to take second bits. She probably isn't quite aware. She is. She'll be quite aware of the fact that it's got Gino's name first and then Mel afterwards. But uh, no guarantee. I've seen people, you know, in double-headed programmes and it's just been a total disaster. Uh, he says it's going to be fantastico. Because for some reason he hasn't quite learnt to speak properly. All these people... It's amazing, isn't it, really? You get these people who've lived here forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And they still... We talk like this. Why? We talk like this. We do this. And you think, why? Mind you, I've got, a, I've got a lovely man who sort of looks after all our stuff at home called Mr Fazino, and he's the same. Mr Allen. Mr Allen, he's saying to me. You watch this morning, he'll say the same thing. Uh, anyway, 84850, uk. All the papers are full of the, uh, the story of Christopher Shale who was at Glastonbury and uh, died. No suspicious circumstances, they're saying. Yeah, they're, they're going to uh, they're going to go for another, I think, post-mortem today just to find out if there was anything else. But as far as we know, it's not suspicious at all. There was a history of heart disease, I believe, in the family. Uh, the Daily Express are offering you free jammy dodgers today. I still love jammy dodgers. I still love jam. I used to be the sort of person who would try and lick the jam out with my tongue from the little sort of hole in the middle. And then if I couldn't do that, I'd sort of prise the thing apart. It was uh, it was always good. Uh, top up your tan while you can, but remember to put sunscreen on, because they say today, hottest day, could hit 92 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, if you don't put sun cream on, and that's children, and it's hats, and it's everything else, it's, you know, it's lovely, isn't it? You walk into work tomorrow and people go, you were out in the sun, weren't you? Because every time I've done it, I've ended up with my sunglasses lines on the side of my face. I do look slightly odd. Mind you, I look slightly odd at the best of times, I'm afraid. And, uh, and here. And it's nice to know that Daniel Craig has got married. He's got married, actually, to uh, Rachel Weiss. So they, they've been, only been dating since Christmas. Christmas, they, they started dating. And now they're getting... Is that a bit short? I don't know. I mean, should you not... You know, should you not get to know somebody really well? I mean, I, well, I don't, do you believe in love at first sight? Uh, Will believe in love at first sight. You see, I don't believe in love at first sight. I believe in lust at first sight. Lust at first sight is complete. That's where you look at somebody and go, Poor. you know. But you don't. But it's not love, is it? Because it has to be reciprocated, and it's only when it's reciprocated that it turns into love. They were doing a feature on the television the other day, and it was on Barry uh, White, who uh, who sort of became the love god and laid. I mean, he used to stand there and sweat for the country. I mean, he sweated, and people went, oh, kiss me, kiss me. Oh, no, he's covered in sweat. But uh, definitely, I'm not sure about love at first sight. Lust at first sight, yes, love at first sight. And then it's, it's, only, it's, it's only when it's reciprocated that it turns into the real thing. And then you go all sort of goo-goo, don't you? You go, hmm. <laughs> it's all very bizarre, actually. The whole thing I find quite disturbing, you know, because they always say, oh, isn't it great when you're in love? And you go, not really, it's very depressing. You ask schoolboys and schoolgirls who've been in love, you go, ooh. Your hormones are racing around your body. I don't think mine ever raced around my body. That was the trouble. Uh, quarter past six is the time. Thank you, James. James Whale, with you later on today. Lorraine Kelly has hit out at WAGS. 
calling them desperate young women with no self-respect. Yeah, I think that kind of sums it up, actually. You've seen them all hawking their scrawny carcasses around the designer shops. They don't actually do anything. All they're looking for is a dumb, thick footballer to find. And, uh, and once they found them, you get them down the aisle as quick as possible. Because that's when, you know, you start coining the marriage in. I used to laugh at that one who went out with that footballer. She was only going out with him, and she goes on one of these holiday programs. I can't remember her name now. Um, she was, whatever it was, she was vacuous. She called, babe, what babe, what babe. You know, one of these, comp- you think to yourself, what are you, five or something? And I found this lovely house, babe, million pound house. She couldn't pay for it, of course, so luckily he ditched her very quickly. Because here, love rat footballer Ryan Giggs is to be given a last chance by his wife Stacey, a friend claim. The decision came on holiday. She said, of course she's decided to stay with him. Of course she has, I could have told you that before. I mean, you know, she's not going to ditch him, is she? Of course not, because she's like most of the footballers' wives. She's a doormat. She's used to the high lifestyle. You know, she's used to this and that with clever lawyers. You know, even if you've got divorced, she wouldn't end up with, you know, too much. They'd have to say, well, what does she contribute to the marriage? Blah, 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 blah. I've always said, though, that if ever people stray, in the case of footballers or actors or actors, whoever it happens to be, they only stray because they're not getting what they should be getting at home, if you get the drift. And quite clearly, you know, Ryan and Stacey Giggs. I mean, she is. She's like John Terry's wife. She's a doormat to be walked over. And the, the answer is, you know, if they had any self-respect, as Lorraine Kelly says, they'd kick them out. Kick them out and take them for everything you can get. You know, not just a one-night stand with Ryan Giggs. Eight years he was sleeping with the wife of his brother. Eight years. God, blimey, that must mean something, I suppose. Anyway, uh, Lorraine Kelly who has criticised glamorous footballers' wives who forgive their men for playing away from home, says the rise of the wag is one of the most bewildering phenomena of the 21st century. All these women want to do is bag themselves a footballer and cling on for dear life, even when being cheated on. It's depressing to witness the antics of desperate young women with no self-respect targeting rich footballers and then accepting their infidelities just so they can hang on to the house. It's what they do, isn't it? But you've only got to look at them. I mean, generally speaking, the majority of these wives are a bit thick. You know, I mean, anybody in the real world, you cheat. You cheat for how long? Eight years? Come here. (laughs) You'll be doing it with nobody else ever again, let me tell you. She praised Lorraine Fletcher, the ex-wife of uh, the Arsenal player Paul Merson, uh, who walked out on her cheating husband ten years ago. Um, She says here, Lorraine walked out and now wants other wags to show the same resilience. They won't because they're a bit stupid. That's why footballers go out with them. They're the bimbos. They're the bimbos out there. They're the bleach blonde people who go, "Oh, you f- what do you do, babe? A footballer? Oh, hello. You're a footballer, are you?" And that's and she's quite right. She's absolutely right. They just want to get the house, and then they can show off to their friends. They bring around all their chavvy friends to show them their new kitchen. They can't cook these people because they left school a bit too early. They're a bit stupid. So they've got all the uh, the accoutrement in the kitchen. You know, we've got this other, This costs twenty grand. Twenty grand that costs. You believe it? And these shoes here, fifteen grand. Actually, talking of things that cost a lot of money, I was going through a magazine upstairs, got an interview with Nick Ferrarian, who was out on his bike with Boris when they were doing the programme around the square. And the one thing I love looking at are the, uh, are the property pages of all the houses in London and what you can get. And it's, it's absolutely nothing, uh, you know, to look at a house that costs £10 million. It looks like perfectly ordinary houses. If you're listening in Manchester at the moment or Newcastle or wherever else you happen to be, you know, the price of houses... I know we have rich areas of, say, Cheshire... And that's where the footballers go to. But in London, we have whole streets, we have whole areas. Chelsea, Mayfair, the Embankment. I mean, just everywhere, there are these fantastic houses. And I was going through, and uh, some of them are for sale, some are for rent. One of them needed complete renovation. And they were looking for, I think it was £20 million, 
But if, if you renovate it, you can put an underground garage in. Because what people do now is, in London, they don't build up or sideways. They go down into the ground. So they prop the house up and then they put in a garage or a swimming pool or something like that. And, um, and, and it generally works quite well. But there was a house that came, a flat that came up, three bedrooms, a three bed in this Candy Brothers thing at uh, Knightsbridge which is linked to the Mandarin Oriental Hotel next door. Now, I didn't know anybody had actually moved in. In fact, nobody has moved in yet, because the council have said that um, they haven't got anybody registered for council tax, so there's obviously nobody living there yet, I hope. And a flat has come up for sale. It's already been bought, but obviously the person who bought it has decided to sell it. Three-bedroom flat, OK? A flat. If you're listening in Manchester, you better brace yourself for this one. A three-bedroom flat. It's just got three bedrooms. So it's quite nice. Nicely appointed. You've got the service at £16.5 million for a three-bedroom flat. Somebody's having a laugh somewhere. And so I'm going through it. I'm flicking through this brochure. And I'm looking at these houses going, that's nice, that's nice. And there was one there and it went, uh, this house is available for either short-term let or long-term let. If it's short-term let, the house is... £25,000 a week, if it's, if it's, if it's long, long-term let. 20, if it's short-term let, £40,000 a week. £40,000 a week. And then I thought, actually, I don't know why I'm getting excited about this, because around Wimbledon, during the tennis, not as much this year as previous years, it's nothing for people to rent out the house for twenty or £30,000 a week, and so that the tennis players go and sit, and they're quite ordinary houses, and they get £30,000 for something crummy like that. People rent their drives out. They're obviously really hard up around Wimbledon. Perhaps they're really desperate for money or something. They go, uh, should we rent the... Uh, darling, should we rent the... Is, 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 is the, the maid in today? I don't know. We take her parking space. Imagine Prince Philip trying to rent a bucking apparently loads of cars in the front, you know. Loads of parking space available. But uh, 40,000 quid a week for this house. I felt like phoning up and pretending I thought it was 400, you know, and having a good look round. Um, Joey says, Steve, I agree. There's no love at first sight, only lust. However, love doesn't have to be reciprocated, unrequited love. Oh, there's nothing worse, is there, than lusting or in love with somebody and they don't know. That is really awful. That's terrible. You know, where you sort of, you, where, you know, nobody says anything because the other person's thinking, oh, they, they like me, do they not? I don't know. And, uh, and you have to be very careful because you don't want to go too far in case you get chip, 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 chip. I didn't encourage that. Can we just hold hands? Can we just hold hands? Can we just go out for a coffee and do anything? Apparently, Sue says, on four rooms, the chap who was selling the Ramones guitar and declined £3,000 approximately auctioned it at Christie's for ten. Ten thousand... Oh, wow. Ten thousand pounds. I thought that... You see, I wasn't sure that it was the provenance of the guitar, wasn't it, that they... It was... Was it D.D. Ramone or somebody had it? Well, to be honest, I've heard of the Ramones, but I didn't know who D.D. Ramone was or D. Ramone. And he took it in there and nobody was that interested in it. But, I mean, to be honest with you, you can't trust antique stealers anyway because they're looking at what they would pay for it, then they've got to make a profit. So there's no point in saying, you know, somebody goes, oh, I want £10,000. And he goes, well, listen, I'm a dealer. Let me tell you now, I would only offer maybe four for that, and then I would probably sell it for, you know, between eight and ten, because that's the markup that they work on. There's all these adverts they have in Country Life for, I think, Ronald Phipps. And Ronald Phipps obviously has a really lovely antique shop, and he has some beautiful items in there. At the moment, they're all from the 1730s, and they're beautiful. But they don't put any prices on. You have to go onto the website to see the prices of these. And some of them, you think to yourself, it would cost you millions to furnish a house. Millions. I remember an LBC presenter who, years ago, when he actually got married, decided that he would, um, 
he would go round the country with a big Luton van and buy all this cheap furniture at country sales. So he'd go into sort of, you know, wherever it happened to be in Newcastle or just pick at these places off the top of my head, and then he'd find out whether they had an auction house and if they had a sale on it, he'd go and buy all this cheap furniture and did a house very, very cheaply. That was good, wasn't it? Sue said, wonderful show on Saturday at the Magic Circle. Privileged to meet you. Are you doing some more, especially at the Mermaid, later this year? Um, I think there's a very good chance we might be back at the Mermaid later this year. We haven't booked anything in yet, so I'll let you know nearer the time. Uh, Paul went to Hampton Court. Haven't been for 20 years. It's lovely, Hampton Court. I'm a member. I love it down there. They were getting ready for the Hampton Court Flower Show, so went home last night and booked two tickets. Not been before, but heard it's very good. Uh, it is very good. I like Hampton Court better than Chelsea. It's bigger. There's more room to move around. There's more, you know, they... I mean, oh, it was lovely. Absolutely lovely. One of, uh, my, one of my favourite shows. But I haven't been for a couple of years, so I'll, I'll have to go this year. And uh, Alan Dodgen, yes. Well, he's very, very busy. He's, he's got way too much work on, but he is going to come in on Thursday. Will will phone him later on and we'll sort out a car. And uh, he'll be in on Thursday uh, with us on the programme. He's not been here for many, many years but he'll, he'll be back in again. Paper review this morning with Nick Ferrari is uh, Jan Schur, journalist and author. And as the policing minister, Nick Herbert, calls for crime maps to include photos and details of the crime committed, Nick will be discussing if criminals should be named and shamed. Would you feel better knowing where convicted criminals were in your area? Absolutely. Also, David Cameron's constituency chairman's found dead at Glastonbury. Nick will be looking at the impact... Uh, that'll have on the Prime Minister. Finally, with over £10 million being given to prisoners in compensation, I mean, people have had it for all sorts of reasons, uh, Nick will be asking if they deserve it. Among the guests today, Nick Herbert, the Minister of State for Policing and Criminal Justice. Uh, they're going to be talking about the heatwave in London. Our uh, weather expert, Chris Lowry, will be here as well, and he'll be telling you why it's going to turn again. So today, thundery showers a bit later on. Has the BBC lost its way editorially? It certainly must have done after Mylene Class's free plug on The Apprentice, where she was allowed to plug her, her baby clothes. I mean, I had no idea that you can do this on the BBC. I mean, I, I said yesterday they used to do it on Ready, Steady, Cook, where quite clearly somebody was on backhanders because they would bring people in and they were allowed to sit on the BBC. You can understand it on other channels, but not on the BBC, uh, and plug all their, their products and things. It was all most disturbing. But to see Mylene Class being interviewed by, I think, Dara O'Brien. Uh, talking about her baby range, saying, oh, you, you know, you've been this... And, and I thought, this is an advert. Is she paying for this? Is she paying for this? Or is, you know, how has this worked out? Is, there some, is she giving free clothes to all the crew? How does this work out? Absolutely shameful. It really was. Uh, other stories in the papers today. And uh, this is Rosie Huntington. I have no I idea who she is. She used to model for Victoria's Secret. And now, apparently, uh, she had from going to modelling underwear, she's now an actress. It's amazing, isn't it? It obviously can't be that difficult. They're all managing it. Good heavens above. Let's face it, even the people from Essex believe, deludedly, that they might actually be presenters. I don't think so. You're listening to LBC at 6.30. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7. Well, look at this. And the sun's up. It's lovely. They'll talk about the weather a little bit later on with uh, weather expert Chris Lowry. If you're, if you, ladies, if you want to know if your husband's going to cheat, apparently you have to take a look at his dad. According to a study, male infidelity runs in the family, which comes as no surprise to the wives of womanising celebrities like, uh, you know, Tiger Woods and Ryan Giggs. The study found if the, that the men were more likely to stray if their fathers had been unfaithful when they were growing up. Do you think they're going to tell you? I'm not sure if you should have to go to your father again. Excuse me. 
Did you cheat when you were t- when you were growing up? Just give us a rough idea, and then we'll know. Then we'll know. So that's it. If your husband uh, is likely to cheat, it's because his father cheated. Presumably his father before that, and his father before that. Interesting. Anyway, let's find out what Darren's got uh, on the line. Hopefully staying in under air conditioning. I don't want to go anywhere today. I'm really not in the mood for it. It's, it's going to be too hot. Yesterday was hot. Today's going to be even hotter. Up to 93 degrees, they say, Darren. Congratulations. I know, it's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> I hate the weather. I hate it. I mean, I sit in a fridge, me. Factor 30 if you're going out. Factor 30. Is that for blue mm. people? <laughs> London Street Photography Festival begins this week from the 1st of July until the 31st of July. Lots of places taking part in it, including the National Portrait Gallery, the VNA, the British Library, the German Gymnasium, and St Pancras International Station. Oh, I know the German Gymnasium. I went to a party really? there. Yes, I went to a party oh, there once. It's pulled down, isn't it? Obviously not, because there's an exhibition of uh, London Street photography. How strange! <laughs> I thought they pulled it down. <laughs> oh, well. Do you think they've told the people that are hanging these uh, photographs? Probably not. They're probably just standing in the middle of a, of a traffic island. Uh, going, where well, is it? <laughs> photography is from people like Cartier Bresson, Walker Evans, Robert Frank, Diane Arbus. Lots and lots of well-known ones, as well as some oh. of the lesser well-knowns as well. If you're interested in going to any of the events, check out their website, London Street Photography Festival dot org, which must be one of the longest URLs we've given out for a long time. So I'll say that again: London Street Photography Festival dot org. The BB Portrait Award continues at the National Portrait Gallery, and guess what, listeners? Steve actually been to see it. I have. I know. Amazing. I have. Stephen Art together. I know it's unbelievable. It's very good. Do you know the funny thing is about that exhibition? You'll look at the pictures like I did, and you'll go, "That's a photograph." It's amazing, absolutely amazing. They're absolutely unbelievable. They, I looked at a couple of them, and I went, "That's a photo. That's not a." And they go, "No, it's oil on canvas." You go, "But it looks like a photograph." They're stunning. To think it'd be much quicker if they just took a photograph. Take it two would minutes. be so much easier for me to sit there getting your palette. I wish I could paint. I really... You look at the, the gift that these people have got. Some of it's rubbish, admittedly. I mean, some no, of it... Doesn't, 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 I, I like a painting there. to look like a picture. You know, it's got to look like something. I never understood Matisse or some of these other people. Picasso I never understood at all. No, but, but mm. they, they're, they're beautiful, some of them. Some of them are... There's a lovely lady half-naked in a frame. The frame is beautiful. A painting of one, not a real one. No, it's not a real lady. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be warned that there is a nude picture in there. It's an art gallery, for, for goodness sake, but this is the, the one that um, somebody got a bit uppity about, the uh, Selena Scott, I think, because it's uh, a giant canvas of a nudist beach abroad, and it's got yeah. four or five naked people on it. It's a, it's a painting. You know, if there are yeah. she said children might see it. But so the National Portrait Gallery has just opened, and the good news there is it is free. Free! Free! Yeah. <laughs> Art in the City starts on Thursday at House of Fraser with a special preview in the evening. It's your chance to meet the artists Paul Oz and Paul Carslake. They specialise in pop art of popular culture. People like Frank Sinatra, Mr. Men, The Simpsons, Marilyn Monroe, and lots, lots more. For more information on that, go to artyougrewupwith.com. ArtYouGrewUpWith.com, and I say if you're on Thursday evening, you get a chance to meet the artists as well. This is one for you, Steve. The British Museum new exhibition has just opened. It's called Treasures of Heavens, sorry, Treasures of Heaven, Saints, Relics, and Devotion in Medieval Europe. Oh, lovely! I like stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm quite. <laughs> 
I'm quite taken by religious artefacts. I know you are, Miss. While we're mentioning, and they've got stuff from the British Museum, the Cleveland Museum of Art, uh, the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore, as well as European church treasures, including stuff from the Vatican, the Sancta Sanctorum. So uh, stuff that? that you won't have seen in this country before. Yeah. It's a little hidden area of artwork. So wow. they've got some stuff out of there. And uh, so that's going to be a good one to go and see. And while you're at the British Museum, especially in this heat, outside is their Austra- Australia landscape, which is in association with Kew Gardens. So as you go through those big gates at the beginning, at the left-hand side, they've put an Australian landscape. Mm. Today would be the perfect day to go. Yes. You've got the weather as well. Wow. Not only have we got the, all the plants and stuff, but mm. you've got the, um, the weather to go with it. I'm looking forward to the Giants rain coming down. Uh, Giants, close up. Did you enjoy the magic at the Magic Circle? Me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. 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 What were you doing there? At the Magic Circle? Yeah. I, was, I was having a lovely, a lovely day. In fact, it was Please. a day at the Magic Circle. It was <laughs> a, a day. Although day. I did say to my brother yesterday, I said, oh, did you go to the museum? He said, no. I said, why not? He said, we didn't have a chance. <laughs> Another ch- well, you won't actually have a chance because the museum's not open for this one. It's just uh, a giant close-up on Saturday at the Magic Circle. Oh, Faye right. Presto, Michael Vincent, Chris Wood. If we want to go and see close-up magic, this is stuff that you sit and watch very closely right? rather than the stage show. And uh, a chance for you to go and have a little wander around uh, the club room and the event room for that. So go to the website at magiccircle.co.uk Excellent. for that one. Lovely. Thank you very much so indeed. I'm going, to need, I'm going to need Factor 30 now. Yes. And an umbrella later. Yes. I mean, you should. I mean, to be honest with you, I know people go, oh, you know, you shouldn't put uh, sun cream on. Even on days like this at the moment. What do you mean the you sun... shouldn't put sun cream on? Well, they say, no, cream I hadn't on. finished talking. I was saying you don't put it on no. first thing in the morning. I say you absolutely do. Oh. You must put it on a beforearm because it's going to reach. If it goes to 93 today, it's very dangerous. You can only explain to somebody it's dangerous, and that's as far as it goes. It's like operating a Wii, isn't it? I've just bought a Wii fit for a friend of mine. And uh, she thoroughly enjoyed using it. She said, but I know that I'm going to be as stiff as a board this morning. I thought for a moment you said weave. Weave? <laughs> but a weave. Oh, a weave. <laughs> yes, you're making a jumper or something. <laughs> a weave fit. so funny, honestly, you really yeah. are. No, no, I really did <laughs> thought you'd say weave. <laughs> oh, right. No, a, a weave. No, oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, we'll see you on uh, Sunday. Looking forward to it already. Thank you very much indeed, says Darren Tossel. It's uh, 15, 16. 19 minutes to 7. I couldn't work out the clock this morning. Uh, don't forget, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, then uh, you can uh, read all the uh, things about all the presenters. There's tons on the website. There's also the new pictures as well of Wilton's musical, which we did on Friday. Got another, we've got another interesting thing coming up for you next week on the website. Uh, but it's Wilton's musical at the moment. And they also do tours. They've got a thing on their website. We've got a link on there to the website. And I think, actually, Luciana's going to go down on Monday and take their tour. I think they do two tours. And you should go down there because it's, it's worth seeing. It's a little hidden gem. We walked, walked, walked from Tower Hill. Walked, I kid you not, I walked. Me at my age, honestly. I should have taken a taxi. We did take a taxi for the next bit, but we did walk the first bit. And it is, it is walkable from Tower Hill. It's about, uh, about ten minutes. You know, normal normal sort of walking pace, but well worth going to. But do have a look at the pictures first, because, as I said earlier on, if you love London 
and you love the history, and you like going, I wonder what's behind that door. This is just one of those sort of places. Let's have a look. It's, you know, original shutters, original door outside from the 1800s. It's like stepping back into Dickensian times. And then you go through the door, and, you know, it's got the stone floor, and that they'll explain to you exactly how it all works. You know, this, this was a pub over here, and this was the music hall in the middle, and these were rooms at the side, and they've got rooms upstairs. Really wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Luciana says, uh, loved Inside the Magic Circle. Very memorable evening. Uh, out of interest, Google Carlo Gatti and you'll find my great-great-grandfather's Victorian Music Hall's history. Blimey. You see, I think people should definitely go to these uh, things. And uh, write about the wrongly held notion, Steve says, Paul, that TV and radio companies have that two-hander shows always work. They don't. Many years ago, when I was working in the Midlands... And now defunct radio station had a breakfast crew-style programme, as in about 40 engineers, two presenters, and one who actually drove the desk. The idea was apparently that he and she were enjoying a close personal relationship. It was so fake, it was excruciating to hear, only made more entertaining by the fact that off-air she, uh, she was fairly active. And, uh, and he was so far in the closet, it was double padlocked. Only on TV for me, the only pairing that worked were Anne and Nick. Uh, it was, actually. They did have that. It's very difficult to get. And I, I know people have strived before to try and get a pairing. And uh, and I don't know what the secret is. It's not just going out. I've seen it, it happen over the years on loads of television things. And you think, you know, they go out and they, and they socialise. I mean, I don't think there's any pairing between, uh, I think, a Adrian Charles and Christine Bleakley. I mean, she looks as, as remote as anything. And he's off doing his own thing. I don't think any of these things work. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing. I don't know how it, how it is. You have to wave a magic wand, I suppose. And the answer is to your last question, Paul, no. We never have, and we probably never will, I shouldn't think, unless things get very desperate for both of us. Uh, 16 minutes to seven. Here's the picture of, uh, of Ryan Giggs and his wife. She's all happy. Of course she is. She's Mrs Ryan Giggs. She's Mrs Ryan Giggs. Better to be that than be... Uh, I'm sorry, who are you? Um, well, I used to be married to Ryan Giggs. Oh, you're that one. Oh, right. Always a bit of a shame, isn't it? Uh, and Janet Street Porter says, if you want to be cared for when you retire, you'll have to pay for it. Because uh, putting people in care homes averages about four or £500 a week. So you work this out. You look at, two, you look at 24000 a year. And that's for a very modest place. If you're thinking of putting elderly parents in or if you want to be cared for, it's very, very difficult, isn't it? Very difficult. And also, they've done a huge piece in the mail today on how to spot a man who won't commit... In other words, and that they're looking at George Clooney. He doesn't, he doesn't want to get married. He's not interested. But they're advising women here, you should run a mile if you get a guy like this. But, of course, they won't because they become famous through association to Mr Clooney. But he, he just doesn't want to get married for, for reasons best known to himself. He's quite happy being single. And the moment they mention marriage, he's going, whoop, I'm out of here. Quarter to seven. Morning, everybody. Twelve minutes to seven is the time. It's going to be a scorcher this morning, and then down comes the rain again this afternoon, I'm afraid. Uh, the perfume giant Chanel has lost out in a smell test to a cut-price supermarket scent. Strangely enough, 90% of women in the test turned their noses up at £61 Coco Mademoiselle in favour of Suddenly Madame Glamour from Lidl at three ninety nine. <laughs> the test was carried out on a panel of 150 women by an independent expert. 
So, in other words, what they do, you know when you get stopped in the street, they go, hello, hello, do you have two minutes? They've got a clipboard. The other ones are the chuggers, and you just walk straight past them, having felled them to the ground, you know, and having said to them, listen, shouldn't you be giving the money you're earning to the charity, opposed to standing here wasting my time? And uh, we get them in Twickenham all the time. Absolutely. Hello! And they have the art of walking backwards and still talking to you, with a big smile on their face. And I generally sort of, you know... I've, the first the moment I see them, I pick up my phone and pretend I'm talking to somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And they don't come anywhere near you. It's only it's single people they target. They're, they're really dodgy. They really are. But anyway, so so you you get approached years ago. I remember being stopped by one of these people. And I thought, Gee, I've never actually followed this through. I, I I quite like to find out what they're doing. And they were doing a peanut test. And she, she said, "Would you like to follow me?" And of course, me being gullible, yeah, yeah, trotted along behind. You know, go into this sort of building. Oh, God, anything could happen. You know, I don't know who this person is. They've just stood on the street with a clipboard. And she gets there and she goes, "Right, uh, there's four bowls there. Would you like to try the first peanut?" I thought it's not even lunch, is it? Really, it's not even lunch. And so I had the first peanut. You had to mark it out of five. And then at the end, and you think perhaps they're, they're actually going to tell you something exciting, like one of them's not a peanut, or, or but it, it, it wasn't like that at all. And so uh, I ended up just just sort of eating five peanuts and that, and then I went home. But I, I think the... You know when you go into a department store, and we've all done it, and you go in there and you... I mean, I'll tell you what the worst thing I see in Boots in Kingston is students, students, mind you, going in there and using the deodorant because they obviously haven't got any deodorant at home. So they sort of pick up deodorant, tss, tss, And I always think, oh, sorry, I mean, are you buying this? You don't road test a deodorant. But you do go in there and you do, you know, if, if, it's, if it's the ladies, they... Tss, tss, on here, and the men do it, you know, tss, on here, and, tss, and, and then after about 15 minutes, you walk around the store fanning yourself, hoping that it's, you know, and then you, you say, oh, I like that one, because you haven't got the faintest idea what it is, because you can't remember, because you put on about five different ones, and then, and then the girl will come up wearing the white coat, and you think she works in a hospital, but she doesn't, she works on the makeup counter, and so, so you think she's a chemist, and she comes over, and, and she says, would you like a test? And, and and so she gets a little stick out, and she sprays it onto a stick and gives it to you. So you walk around the shop holding a little lolly stick, every so often wafting it in front of your nose to see whether it smells nice. And it's based on that that men buy aftershaves, because they haven't got the faintest idea. Not me, I always wear the same one. I don't, I don't vary at all. I used to have, years ago, because I thought it looked really flash, about 20 different aftershaves on my, on my dressing room table. My dressing room table. What's going on in my life? And, and you'd have them, and you think, I think today is, today is a Chanel day. Today is a Dunhill day. Today is a, you know, a Paco Rabanne day. Today is an Eau Sauvage day. And then somebody said to me, uh, do you have them on your dresser? I said, yes, I have them on the dresser. I have them all lined up. I have to dust them every so often, which is quite nice. And, and they said, is it in sunlight? I said, yes, the sun streams in the window. They said, you know that aftershave goes off, don't you? You're supposed to keep it in a dark room. The best place to keep aftershave or perfumes is locked up in a, in a cabinet. So they don't see sunlight, because the moment they see sunlight is the moment they start going off. I said, I've never even thought, I just thought aftershave lasted for years, because it was alcohol. And they said, well, alcohol doesn't last for years. I said, it does in my cabinet. Keep it there forever and a day. I've got stuff going back donkey's years. So I love the idea that Chanel were beaten. So they, they put all this stuff out. It's obviously a promotion. I couldn't work out if it was for Chanel or for Lidl. And so they said, would, would you like to try this one? Said, what is that? That is uh, Chanel's. It's Coco Mademoiselle. It's such a silly name, isn't it, really? Coco Mademoiselle, because Coco Chanel and then Mademoiselle. Uh, but I, I quite like the other one, Lidl Scent, which they say was a timeless, affordable and classic fragrance. It was three ninety nine, and it's called Madame Glamour. <laughs> I mean, it, just, it doesn't sound as exciting, but if it smells nice... There used to be one made by um, Yardley years ago uh, called Come Summer, and that was quite nice. That was sort of a fresh thing, because, uh, you know, the... Um, 
can't remember his name now, Eric Hall, the boxing promoter, he wears women's perfume. He wears, because apparently there isn't any rule that says men have to wear aftershave and women have to wear perfume. You, you, you can mix and match. And I think it was Calvin Klein that started the trend of unisex aftershave stroke perfumes. So do you wear one, Will? Do you have a particular favourite? Would it be? Oh, Hugo Boss or Diesel. He's obviously really rich. He's got an iPad and everything. And uh, Hugo Boss or Diesel. His, yes. I think you should try Tesco stuff. I mean, butch for men, you know, I think could be absolutely ideal. I do like an aftershave, but the, the trouble is, after a while, like in my case, about three seconds, I can't smell it at all. Other people can smell it. And I think it depends on... on uh, I, I bought one once. It was a pheromone. Because, you know, pheromones are supposed to attract people. And they said, if you just put this on a, on a few little pressure points, because the idea is, when you use an aftershave, you're supposed to spray it into the air and then walk through the mist... Well, frankly, if you do, you can blind yourself. Mind you talking that. I saw someone the other day. One of the, one of the magicians at the Magic Circle was... Uh, he, he was he was doing his, his deodorant, and she so went, tss, tss, under his arm, and then he sprayed his face. And I've never seen anybody do... And I said, you're supposed to do that. He said, well, it stops you sweating. I said, really? I, said, I wouldn't recommend people doing that. And then somebody else said to me, oh, I do that all the time. I said, well, I've never heard of that before. So, tss, and then spray your face, I suppose. I mean, it does make sense, because it's going on skin. Keep your eyes closed, I suppose, if you're doing it, because I don't know what's in it. I, I said, do you not get an allergic reaction? He said, well, I spray it under my arms, so I don't think so. Because knowing my luck, I'd spray it, it'd be the powder, wouldn't it? And, you know, all of a sudden, you've got your face covered in powder. Like that poor penguin. They've just had to have his stomach pumped. He swam 1,600 miles, and he's been eating sand, because he thinks it's snow. So they've had to pump his stomach, poor little soul, but they're now going to take him back again. <laughs> Apparently, Georgina from Lidl, says we've seen huge numbers flocking to the store. It shows a perfume doesn't have to cost a bomb to make you feel instantly glamorous. I know, you just don't want people to see it, though, do you? So they come round, they start going through your bathroom cabinet. You have to hide, I'm afraid, uh, Madam Glamour. Because it's, it's actually very nice here. It's described as having fresh citrus and floral notes merging to an alluring, exotic, oriental accord. All that for three ninety nine, ladies and gentlemen. Sounds like a bargain, doesn't it? We should be out there trying that today. I might go and get an avocado today, I think. And then so, somebody said to me, avocado's very good for you. Because at the moment, I'm going through a phase of beetroot. And I'm not sure how much beetroot you're supposed to eat. I do like beetroot. I'm, I'm quite big into beetroot. Beetroot and prawn cocktails. Have you ever heard of such a combination? I'm doing everything. Uh, express yourself today. So, strange enough, you've got Lisa Maxwell uh, selling her story about being bulimic. And... Um, Everything else in the mirror. Open up the Express, and here is Lisa Maxwell, the star of Loose Women. That'll upset everybody on the panel. Revealing how much her health suffered when she first entered the competitive world of show business. So, um, and all she's flogging here is, uh, is tablets. It's all a bit tacky, actually, the whole thing. You're going to be sort of overdosing on it. And uh, here's another woman here. A week without makeup left me pretty miserable. Ladies, could you ever do without a makeup? What could you? What could you not do without? I think Gloria Honeyford always said it was lipstick. The one thing she couldn't do without was lipstick because that was the thing that no matter how bad you felt, bit of lippy on and it, you kind of face the day. Whether or not it makes a difference, I feel immensely sorry for today for all the people who are going to have to travel on the uh, the buses and on the tubes and everything else because it's going to be a scorcher this morning. Neil says it's 24 degrees in Putney at the moment. 
You can only imagine how much worse it's going to get, ladies and gentlemen. So it's uh, up to you. But do take an umbrella. If you're going to be at work all day, because when the rain comes down this afternoon, at least you will be prepared, which is good news. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, shall we? We'll do it tomorrow? Between uh, five and seven. I'd love your uh, company. Do do check out the pictures of Wilton's Music Hall. It's uh, very atmospheric. It's even more atmospheric if you go, and they'd love you to go. They do a couple of tours a day, I think. Check their website for details, and they, they've said to me, I think Francis said, you know, we, we've seen loads of LBC listeners so far. Love to see some more. And they're also fundraising. I think they're asking people for a quid or something like that. Whatever it is, if everybody in London gave a pound, we'd save Wilton's Musical single-handedly. So do go and check out their website and see if you can help and, uh, and do something for them. But just having a look at the pictures is a start. And there's all sorts of pictures of me with the, uh, the celebs that we've talked to over the years. So it's all very nice indeed. Nick and the team with you after the news at seven this morning. They've got a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about, and I'm sure that you'll be joining in the conversation as well. First of all, before all of that, the business update with Sam Pitters.